You are now tuned in to the AddictedToSuccess.com podcast, where geniuses, entrepreneurs, and next-level game-changers share their juicy little secrets on achieving massive success. This is the advice you wish you heard years ago. Be prepared and take note as we expose the realness and the raw of what it takes to be successful on AddictedToSuccess.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. Now today I have my good friend Chris Harder on the line. Chris is a professional network marketer. Chris has been able to achieve freedom in his life where he now has enough time to read a book a day. And when you hear that, a book a day, it sounds kind of crazy, but yes, he committed for the last 30 days, the month of March, to read a book a day. So I really want to interview Chris on this and, and really find out, you know, what are the lessons he extracted from this, uh, you know, has his perspective changed, and a, a plethora of other questions. So Chris, thank you so much for joining us on the Addicted to Success podcast. Joel, seriously, my pleasure, my privilege. I'm flattered that you asked me to be on here, and it's just, it's a cool subject to talk about. It was a heck of a journey for me, so I'm pretty excited to get into it. So uh, 30 books, man, in 30 days. Uh, I think my head would have exploded. I think the most I've read is maybe three books in 30 days. So how did you mentally prepare for this? You know, I actually didn't quite fathom what I was taking on. I got the idea in the craziest of ways. On Instagram, I randomly came across a guy who's reading a book a day for the entire year. He's a really successful entrepreneur. He's just kind of taking the year off to read a book a day. And he's just, he's a huge proponent of reading and educating yourself. And I remember feeling like if this guy can read a book a day for an entire year, I can do a book a day for a month, right? I mean, just one twelfth of what this guy is doing. So that idea kind of started to simmer in me a little bit for a few days. And the more I thought about it, the more I actually became excited about it. So it became this idea that was kind of married to where I was at in life. I felt like I was kind of playing at 50%. Um, I felt like I needed to do something really radical to thrust me into that next level. You ever feel like you're just kind of leaving something on the table or a lot of something on the table? That's how I had been feeling for probably the past year and and knew that I had more to offer, but knew I had to do something to kind of crack that open as well. So between having that need and getting the idea from seeing this guy on, on Instagram, that's really how the whole thing came about. And I had no idea what I'd really be taking under. It was insane. From a scheduling standpoint, um, that speaks for itself. You have to kind of clear a lot of things out and make room for such a feat. But from a mental and physical standpoint, I just didn't fathom how exhausting and taxing it was going to be. I remember the first couple of days, I literally started to feel like I was coming down with the flu. And I said to Lori, my wife, we were actually staying in a hotel at the time. And I said, babe, I think I'm getting sick. Like, I can't believe this. I, I really feel like I'm coming out the, the flu. I've got an achy back, an achy neck, achy shoulders, and I can't even keep my eyes open. And this was only like 8.30 at night. And I remember falling asleep. And I woke up the next day expecting to have the flu, but I felt totally fine. And I thought, huh, that's kind of odd. So I went back to you know reading the next day's book. And halfway into that book, I got the same feeling again. And all of a sudden, it hit me. I'm like, oh, this is what's going on. I'm literally physically not prepared to sit here this long and plow through a book and be in this position and strain my eyes and my brain. And so from that point on, it really became an experiment with 
how to not only fit it in schedule-wise, but how to fit it in physically and mentally and not burn out and get it done. And it actually did, once I kind of learned the ropes a little bit, it actually got easier as the month went on. That's the question I was going to ask. Did, did it get easier? Because I know that you know, if I haven't read for a little while, I sit down, I start reading, it actually puts me to sleep. <laughs> I'm fighting myself to try and get, to, even if it's an amazing book, sometimes I, I kind of fight myself to get to the end of the, uh, the page. So yeah, that's, uh, that's great, man, to know that you know, it gets easier and easier. Now, let's take it back a little bit. You used to work in a nine to five, right? A corporate job around three years ago, from what I can remember. And your beautiful wife, Lori, she was uh, encouraging you to get onto this network marketing opportunity that you're now a leader in, in your uh, company, which is amazing. So congratulations on that. And, uh, you know, you, I heard you were a huge skeptic. So if you could fill us in on, you know, how this came about and how you came about to be a leader in this industry and, and in this uh, company today. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's actually a crazy story. So it was just three or four years ago that I was in corporate America. I was in banking. I was an executive in banking and flew up through the ranks from an international bank. And while I had, you know, some fun moments doing it, I just wasn't fulfilled at all. As a matter of fact, with every promotion that went by and with every year that went by, I got further and further away from doing something that I loved. And I just woke up one day and I was literally all the way down this path thinking, this is not what I thought it would be like. And it was even a strain on Lori's and my marriage because when you're not happy with what you're doing and when you're not happy with yourself, you know, I let myself get physically out of shape and mentally burnt out and traveling all the time. Well, that makes you kind of a miserable person to be around. And so it was a strain on, on Lori and I, it was a strain on myself and I knew something had to change. Now here's the crazy part though. You mentioned I was a skeptic. I was a huge skeptic. Um, I had a good friend, Holly DeMott, and she had she was having a lot of network marketing success and came from a similar background as me. But despite seeing her success, I just I had my walls up. I thought this is not for me. You know, traditional business is for me. Network marketing is for crazy people. And, you know, I just when you've got your blinders on, you can't see everything you're supposed to see. And it wasn't until Hitting that, hitting that magic combination of being totally down and out, totally unfulfilled, knowing that something had to change, combined with Lori, my wife, having a couple of experiences that made her want to start doing the business, that we decided to at least dip our toes into it and see what it's really all about. We actually said no to the opportunity and to the business for more than an entire year. So, I mean, it was, it was not a quick path to get us to do it. It took some persistence. But looking back, it's changed our lives. This is the greatest profession and the greatest thing that we've ever been a part of. So, you know, to all the listeners out there, you just don't know what you don't know until you kind of crack yourself open and, and at least try and give something a chance. Wonderful, man. Wonderful. What do you think it is? Do you think it's your belief system? Is that what it is? Like you're not used to, like it almost sounds too good to be true. Is that what it was for you? You know, that's, it's, I think it's two things. Number one, it sounds too good to be true, right? You can make all this money and have all this freedom and, and do all these things that you want to do. And sometimes that's in how people are pitching it. You know, maybe they're not pitching it realistic. Maybe they're not painting the accurate picture of how much work goes into this because it's a profession and a career just like anything else. And a lot of work does go into being a successful network marketer. So sometimes it's pitched as too good to be true. That's half of it. And the other half is until you get into it and until you get with the right company, 
you only have that outside looking in exposure. You know, when you see people that you picture with the flashing pins and the crazy hats and, you know, you, <laughs> maybe you've had a couple experiences with people begging you to try their product or begging you to do their business and it came across kind of tacky. If that's all your paradigm has been up to that point, well, you don't know anything else. And so you develop your view based on those couple of, you know, false facts and you totally close yourself off to the opportunity. But again, it's, it's sometimes you have to reach that rock bottom for you to become open to something you never thought you'd be open to. And that's what it was for Lori and I. And that's what cracked us open and, you know, allowed some of this to start, start seeping in and got us where we are today. That's right. They say uh, either desperation or inspiration drives you. Right? <laughs> Isn't so, that the truth? <laughs> which one was it? <laughs> yeah, that one was desperation first, inspiration second. Yes, I see that. Awesome, man. Awesome. You and Laurie both were able to amount at least around, you know, multi-millions over the space of a few years just through network marketing, which is absolutely epic. So congratulations on that. Thank uh, you. What I want to do is I want to really get into your mind, right, on how your perspective has changed because you, you had quite a lot of financial success in the space of just a few years. So how do you view money now compared to before when you were working your nine to five and working for the man? You know, here's how we view money. We view money as nothing more than energy. So money is just a form of energy that you can use to exchange with people in order to do good, in order to um, get certain things that you need or things that you want. But Lori and I work on what we call an equal energy exchange. So if we have money to offer, somebody else might have expertise to offer. So if you give each other the money for the expertise, that's an equal energy exchange. And so being that we view it that way, we just view it as an energy, a very positive energy that you can do a lot of great things with and do a lot um, of things for people with. And when you start viewing money as a positive energy instead of this thing, this tangible thing that's hard to get, it's amazing how it starts flowing to you. And a lot of our view of money has come from, you know, working on ourselves and our own self-development. When I was in corporate America, ironically in banking, I didn't view money that way. You know, I viewed it as something I was desperately chasing after and I wanted the next raise and I wanted the next bonus. And when I was running all of my sales teams in the bank, unfortunately and, and shamefully, I admit I was running them just with my bonus in mind. You know, how big can I get the bonus this quarter? And when that's how you view money, I'll tell you what, you're going to be continue to chase it for a long time and it's going to be hard to get. But when you start working on yourself and start reading some books out there that can crack you open and when you start realizing that money is just love and money is just energy, then you start attracting it and you get rid of some of those funky cobwebs around your thoughts and visions of money and everything just starts falling into place and that's what it did for us. Yeah, beautiful, Chris. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's a great insight into you know, making millions and then also looking at it in an open-minded way. And uh, I think that a lot, of, a lot of people nowadays get it kind of misconstrued. What they do is they follow their wants instead of their needs. So what are you guys doing to, uh, I guess, fulfill your needs more than your wants right now? You know, here's what's funny. As we've grown up a little bit and, and the more that we've gotten into self-development, We've realized that needs are, they're not necessarily tangible things, other than, of course, we need air, we need water, we need those things to survive. But the real needs are things like fulfillment and things like the ability to give and experience, believe it or not. Experiences are a need. Without experiences, life is really empty. 
and love. Those are really the things that we classify as, as needs now. And when those are the things that you start focusing on and chasing after, when those things become your currency, fulfillment, giving, experience, love, I'll tell you, the world opens right up for you. You start attracting the right people, the right opportunities. Um, you know, everything seems to get easier. And it, the, the irony of it is this. Nobody teaches you this stuff. I mean, most of us grow up thinking that we need money and we need certain cars and a certain home and all these things to be happy. And when we had those things while I was in corporate America, we were miserable. Now we have those things as a side effect, but we don't view them as a need. We hardly view them as a nice to have. They're just additional things in our life that really offer no true fulfillment or enjoyment. The real fulfillment and enjoyment comes from these experiences like the 30 books in 30 days or making a difference in someone's life or getting feedback that you've changed someone's life. When you start focusing on those things as needs, life, it just turns into a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, there's a, uh, a quote out there that says that, you know, you have no value on something until you're able to give it away. Right? You don't really know the value of it until you're able to give it away. Oh, that's and, uh, so true. There you go, man. Actually, you know what? Somebody uh, that you know, Peter Kelly, told me this. Somebody was looking at actually uh, selling their, I think they was looking at selling something off. And Peter said, why would you sell it? Just give it away. I think they were financially like good. And she said, just, just give it away. You don't know the value of it until you're able to give it away. So, <laughs> you know, to that note, Lori does that. So Lori, you know, she has a beautiful closet full of amazing clothes and bags and all this other stuff, but she constantly is giving it away to people that she knows will love it. You know, she has all this amazing workout, um, gear and equipment and all this stuff. She's constantly giving that stuff away all the time instead of trying to sell it or trying to, you know, do something where maybe we'd get a little bit of something back. And she gets such joy out of that. And I'm telling you, when I read the 30 books in 30 days, I read all different types of books. So we're talking spiritual books, business books, self-development books, um, autobiographies. It was a real mixed bag of books. But guess what? All 30 books had one message in common, no matter what kind of book it was, no matter what the book's agenda was, they all touched on one thing, all 30 out of 30 books. And that one thing was giving. As a matter of fact, I remember being halfway through this month and I said to Lori, I'm like, you're not going to believe this. Every single book goes back to giving. Giving being the, you know, how somebody became successful or giving being how someone got fulfillment or the key to life. Every book, no matter what its true agenda was, went back to that baseline of giving. And that's one of the biggest takeaways I had at the end of that 30 books in 30 days was that giving really is kind of the secret to life. At least if you ask me, that's what my answer would be now. Wonderful, man. Yeah, actually, I uh, was speaking with Tony Robbins yesterday and we were touching on the idea of uh, the secret of living is giving. And he says his whole life, he lets his life be guided by the force of love and contribution. And he said he's done that for the last 30 years. So if you're working this out now and you've read these books and you find that that is the pattern and you stick to this, man, I'm sure that you're going to have a very fulfilling life yourself too. Well, it's easy because once that clicks for you and once you experience doing it and doing it a lot, you literally become addicted to it. You become addicted to, I think it's the dopamine that gets released when, <laughs> when you start giving and seeing the joy and the impact that it creates. Matter of fact, one of the books I read was Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek, somebody else who you've um, interviewed. 
And mm -hmm. in that book, he literally talks about how you can get addicted to that dopamine that gets released when you are a constant giver. So the good news for everybody listening is if you don't feel like you give enough right now, roll up your sleeves, start exercising that muscle. And the more you do it, the more you're going to be addicted to doing it. And you're literally going to wake up every day, you know, seeking out that opportunity to give because that's what starts making you feel the best. There you go. Actually, I did hear Simon uh, talk about this, but he's referring to it as, uh, you know, people that use Facebook where they can't help themselves. They're constantly picking up their phone. And I think it was something like 500 times a day or 400 times a day, people are checking their phone or doing something that's based off a dopamine hit. So he's like, let's be more conscious and let's start practicing some more willpower when it comes to these things because it's robbing us of our, our joy and, and uh, you know, to be able to actually be present in life. So no, awesome, uh, awesome point there on giving back and contributing to the world. So thanks for that, Chris. So what would be your top uh, spirituality book that you read and why? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I loved The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari by Robin Sharma. That was a great book to really give you some good perspective on life and spirituality. Um, there's a real mind bender out there that threw me for a loop. It was called Many Lives, Many Masters. And that was an incredible book. Um, also, there's a book called Tuesdays with Maury. It was actually, ironically, the very first book that I read on day one of these of this 30 days. And it's such a fantastic book just about life and about the importance, you know, what's important in life and, and what you're really going to reflect upon and what's going to give you satisfaction. So those are a few of them, probably along with the four agreements that I'd recommend in that category. Okay. And what was the pattern there in the uh, spiritual realm of the books that you were reading? What do you find was the number one pattern? Um, you know, the number one pattern always came back to being happy with what you have right now before you're going to be given anything else. For example, um, gosh, what book was it? It was The Alchemist. You know, he goes on this massive journey over a number of years and his happiness and his reward is right back home where he started. And that was one of the, the constant patterns that came up in the books that had to do with life or spirituality is just being very present, getting rid of all the noise, so to speak, in our life and being absolutely grateful and happy with what you have and where you're at right now. Because you're not going to be given anything else, quite honestly, until you're truly open to being happy with where you are in the moment. Yes, 100%. Yeah, a lot of people say, I'll be happy when I get there. <laughs> the problem with that is you don't know when you're going to get there. <laughs> you know, I, that used to be me. When I was in corporate America, when I got the next promotion, when I moved to the next big city, when I got this, when I got that. That's what I lived for. And the moment would happen. And before you knew it, it was just a, nothing more than a memory. And it didn't give you near the satisfaction you thought it would. And you were on to the next race. And life went by very quickly and felt very empty when that was the race that I was caught up in. And so I feel just so grateful that, and, and I gotta really give the credit to Lori, my wife, for helping us pour ourselves into this type of self-development because that's when you start really finding what makes you happy and what doesn't. Yeah, 100%, self-development is number one. That's why we, uh, we share it on Addicted to Success. I always ask the question of, if somebody came and stripped absolutely everything away from you, how quick can you get back to the top? How quick can you get back to where you want to be or where you are right now? And uh, the only way you can do that is by you know, becoming someone of value, right? 
working on yourself and improving in your own skills, you're, you know, having the belief there and implementing the right habits. Yeah, absolutely. So what business books would you recommend and, uh, and what was the top lesson when it comes to business that you've drawn from these books? Um, let's see, during the 30 books in 30 days, there's a few business books that really stood out. Uh, from a leadership standpoint, there was one called The Go-Giver, which ironically, once again, is centered around giving. And it was just a, such a great book about the more you give, the more success, of course, will follow because of what you're giving. There's a great leadership book called Lead Like Reagan, as in President Reagan. And regardless of how you stand on politics, it's not about politics at all. It had zero to do with politics. It was just about the leadership skills that gave this guy the amazing life and career that he had. Um, the Big Leap by Hendricks. You know, you said business books. Most people wouldn't view that as a business book, but it deals so much with um, working on yourself and getting to that point of excellence. Um, that, that's how I feel like it relates to business. And finally, I'd say the Starbucks experience. You know, just from a, a pure perspective of how great companies come to be and how great companies continue to thrive and change with the times. The Starbucks experience was awesome for that. Beautiful. Thank you, Chris. I'm, uh, I'm noting these ones down. Uh, I think I might do a 30-day 30, 30 <laughs> challenge too. And I'm also going to share these with the audience. So I think this is, uh, this is great, man. This is, you're like a filtering system for us. <laughs> <laughs> How do you uh, find these books? Do you just go through like the top 30 books on Amazon or have they been recommended to you? Or How does that work? That's such a great question. So you really got to read books for where you're at and what you're seeking. That's first and foremost. You know, Plenty of people recommended great books that I'm sure are amazing books, but I just didn't feel like they were what I was seeking at the moment. Now, when I put on social media that I was going to do 30 books in 30 days, the number of recommendations just started pouring in. So there was no shortage of recommendations. And people actually, talk about beautiful souls out there, started gifting me books, started sending me books in the mail saying, hey, this book really meant a lot to me. Um, I hope you read it as part of your 30 books in 30 days. And some of them I was able to fit in and others I'm now going on to read now that I'm, I'm done with that challenge. But you know how amazing is that, that these beautiful souls took the time to grab a book and, and send it saying, hey, I hope this reaches you the way it reached me. But the other part of my answer in terms of how I found books was my wife, who's an avid reader, she had a few books that she's been asking me to read forever. And part of this challenge, Joel, was you know, here I've got this amazing woman in my life who pours herself into constant reading and self-development and then teaching it to others. And I was just playing at 50%. And if I had to be honest, I felt like I was becoming very uninteresting to her. Now, she never told me that. And she never indicated that. But that was just my own insecurity saying, gosh, I'm just over here playing at 50%. I'm not pouring myself into this like she is. And when it comes to having conversations about what really matters, I feel like she's doing all the talking. And I'm sitting there um, feeling like I didn't have as much to offer. So I grabbed some of the books that she recommended and read some of those as well. And books that I would never grab off of a shelf turned out to be some of my favorite books ever. I'll give you an example. There's a book called What I Know For Sure by Oprah. Mm -hmm. And just being kind of a guy's guy that I am, it doesn't look like a book I'd grab. It's not titled like a book that I would grab. And 
while I love Oprah and think she's incredible, it's not the first person that I would rush out to read. I just kind of sometimes picture that as something that Lori would read, not me. But Lori was begging me to read it. She said, Chris, this book, you're not going to be able to put it down. So I made it part of my 30 books in 30 days. And sure enough, it's one of my top three favorite books of all time now. It is one of the most beautiful life guides and easy reads that anybody, male or female, could possibly pick up and read. It's funny. I, I think when uh, you hear these authors, where they have a massive network or they uh, have that celebrity status, you do think maybe maybe their book's just out there because of who they are, not not because they're actually skilled at writing. So it's good that you gave it a chance and uh, you know sat down and read that. That book. was my view, Joel. I, I felt like somebody probably wrote it for her. You know, the the cover wasn't very exciting. It really, you know, of course they say don't judge a book by its cover, right? Um, and it, I just thought it was one of, book, one of those books that they probably stamped out in her name for a revenue source. And so that's why it did not appeal to me at first. But I'll tell you what, when I opened it up and read the first few pages, I realized that A, it truly was written by her, and B, everybody should read that book, period. Mm, awesome. So share away, man. What are your top three books? Um, first and foremost, I'd say Tuesdays with Maury. What a beautiful, easy read and fantastic way to put life into perspective. It'll even make you tear up. I don't care who you are, how tough you are. It'll make you tear up a few times. Um, what I know for sure, Oprah, that's uh, definitely in the top three there. And I would have to say it's a tie between the monk who sold his Ferrari and the four agreements for rounding out the top three and four there. Yep, excellent. Great books. So I just thought of a, a new challenge for you. <laughs> uh -oh. If you're willing to accept no, you don't have to, but uh, this is just an idea. 30 days of audiobooks, and then after that, 30 days of DVDs or some sort of visual. So you're hitting the visual, the, uh, you know, the, the auditory, and obviously you got the kinesthetic there with the uh, reading the, the books in, in hand. So what do you reckon? I love it. I love the idea of 30 days of audio. I mean, after reading for 30 days, this will seem like a breeze. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, speaking of you know books and authors, I know that you and Laurie actually had the opportunity to have lunch with uh, Jack Canfield a few months back. So how was that experience and, and what did you learn from Jack? You know, we've had the chance to interact with Jack quite a bit. Talk about an amazing soul. You know, this guy is in his 70s and still pours his energy and everything that he has into people nonstop. The, the guy has energy for days. And he's actually one of Lori's personal mentors. She was um, signed up with a, a very intimate program with him this past year where she spent three weeks, a week at a time, with him and a few other people. And you, you just wouldn't believe the insight and the advice and the way that this gentleman you know, leads his life and, and what he pours in other people. It inspires you to get up and get off your butt and to be a much better version of yourself. We just went to an incredible um, charity event a few weekends ago called the Unstoppable Gala here in LA. And it's an incredible charity. Look it up if you get a chance. And of course, Jack Canfield was there. And it wasn't just Jack. It was um, Mike Dooley. It was all sorts of self-development authors and leaders in the space. And it was just incredible to look around that room. You know, maybe there's a couple thousand people in that room. And when they put the names of the biggest donors up on the board, and when you saw who was bidding on this stuff and donating money, it really 
shows you that this self-development space, when you're giving all of your knowledge and guidance to everybody else, it gives you the ability monetarily to give back and give in a huge way. So, you know, not just Jack, but everybody who's a leader in that space, we oftentimes look at them like, wow, you know, what a great book. Wow, what a great leader. I don't think we give them enough credit for how incredible of a human being they really are for spending all of these years learning and teaching and learning and teaching on a nonstop basis. Yeah, and that guy pumps out books like there's no tomorrow too. So yeah, it's remarkable. <laughs> He's doing so well, man. Something to look up to for sure. Excellent, uh, Chris. So the Addicted to Success community love quotes, right? We've got picture quotes and quotes from absolutely everybody on the site. What would you say is your favorite quote? Ah, well, I got to start with the one that I've got tattooed down my arm here. And it's a variation of a Rumi quote. It says, live as though the universe conspires in your favor. I feel like when you really grasp the fact that, you know, hey, I'm waking up today and I know that everything is set up in my favor. I just have to get out there and do the work. It allows you to do things that might seem scary. It allows you to do what maybe you didn't feel like doing. So that's one of my, my all-time favorites. Excellent. I love that quote, man. I haven't heard that before, but uh, you're right. You know, the universe does conspire. One book that I would recommend to you if you get a chance to uh, sit down and read it, it might be a little bit bigger than uh, the other books that you have been reading. It's called uh, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself from Dr. Joe Dispenza. And uh, Joe is like, I'm all in with this guy right now, man. I'm going to his workshops. I interviewed Joe. He absolutely blew my mind. He's a neuroscientist. And he studies people. He puts them up on uh, these machines where he can see what uh, is going on with their brain activity while they're meditating. And he, he goes in and finds uh, patients that have had remissions that have come out of these miracle uh, cures. And, and he studies people, right? And uh, yeah, he writes this book about uh, breaking the habit of being yourself. And he, he, it's crazy because he says it from a scientific point. Because I don't like too much of the fluffy stuff. I really need to see the stats and the data and everything. And and he just shows us how we're all energy and and how what we put out into the uh, universe or the quantum field really does come back to us. That it actually starts to align. We start to match frequencies with certain things. So I think you should really pick that book up if you get a chance. You know what? I'm going to make an absolute point. Because not only would I love that, Lori's going to love that. That's going to be my next read. Yeah. And dude, honestly, the first uh, like 10 pages you read... <coughs> You're gonna to want to read the whole book. I, I usually push myself to get through some books. This one, like I wake up every morning so excited to read it. Even if I read two pages, like I feel like my day, like I've absorbed a good amount of knowledge and I'm I'm good to go with you know other activities during the day. So, definitely pick up that book. Oh, I love that stuff. And you know, both Lori and I are so into that right now. You know, actually seeing the science behind you know, what we call the law of attraction and all these other things. Mm-hmm. When you start seeing the evidence, you can't help but buy in and get just turned on and excited by it. Yeah. You know, I used to be funny about the whole woo-wah, uh, the secret and law of attraction. I think some people use it, probably not in the best way. But uh, yeah, when you go down to the science of it all, about the energies and the frequencies, it blows your mind, man. It absolutely blows your mind. And then when you start putting it into practice and you see that it actually works, that's it, man. It's a game changer. For sure. I don't know if you've ever seen a documentary out there. It's a book form as well. It's called What the Bleep Do We Know? And I don't know the author offhand. I apologize. But it's literally spelled out bleep. What the bleep do we know? And it's all about that. It's such a great illustration of the science behind everything. 
There you go. Dr. Jody Spenzo is actually one of the guys that uh, features in it. Oh, awesome. So there awesome. you go. Right up, right up your alley, man. Perfect. <laughs> Excellent. All right, Chris. Well, look, thank you so much for joining us today. I uh, want to wrap this interview up with the last question, which I ask everybody that jumps on the line. And the question is, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? Ooh, that's a good one. Okay, let me think. No, you know what? I'm not going to think. I'm just going to wing it. Here's what I've figured out so far. Love people more than you already do. Seek experiences in as many of them as you can. Stop getting ready to get ready and just dive in because quite honestly, done is better than perfect. And make sure you don't waste a single moment or a single interaction in life on anything that is meaningless because I'm guessing when that day comes when we're down to our last 30 seconds all that's going to matter is how much and how often we have that feeling of love and fulfillment and experience so just fill right up with it Chris you're wise beyond your years mate thank you so much for sharing your advice on the line have fun with uh, the next lot of challenges and uh, we might have to do another uh, interview Maybe in a couple months, man. Joel, see where, I, where you're going. <laughs> I love it. Count me in for sure. I'm so grateful you had me on. Hey, no problems, man. All right, you have a great day. You too. Bye. If you haven't already, make sure that you head over to morningmotivationcalls.com. I just launched the second series of the Morning Motivation Calls, which is 10 minutes every morning for the month of May of nothing but pure motivation. Uh, advice from world-class experts, high achievers, top leaders in a number of different industries that are sharing their success advice with you to inspire you, to empower you, to ride your day with momentum towards success. We'll be sharing advice on productivity, time management, charisma, being authentic, casting your vision, finding your why, achieving success in all areas of your life. So make sure that you head over to morningmotivationcalls.com before you miss out. Last month was an absolute blast. We had so many amazing breakthroughs. I don't want you to miss this one. So head over to morningmotivationcalls.com, write it out, make every minute count, and live it up. Bye.